This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. My dad is very active um, in his church community. And he, uh, and so he'll report back about something like Glow, where I've done you know, nude scenes or things like that. And he'll be like, well, so-and-so from church really loves you on the show. She didn't really love the nudity (laughs) or the sex scenes, um, but she did think the show was funny. I'm like, you don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell me that part about the other thing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 26 of The Fourth Wall. I'm, of course, your host, Griffin Schiller, and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with writers, directors, actors, you name it. This show is, of course, part of the Playlist Podcast Network, where you can find the rest of our amazing film and television-centric catalog. Whatever your fix is, we definitely have you covered over there. So consider subscribing to the podcast feed on your podcatcher of choice. I'm very excited about today's guest because I have wanted to talk to her for almost every project that she's been involved with this entire year. She's had a a hell of a year in terms of just like content that she's been putting out. Um, But we finally got the chance to have her on the podcast and I could not be more excited to share with you all my conversation with Allison Brie. As we entered 2020, like I said, there was arguably no actor poised to have as monumental of a year as Allison Brie. With an already diverse body of work ranging from period dramas to comedies, animation, video games, indie darlings, and so, so much more, this year especially feels like a snapshot of everything she strived for her entire career thus far. She has four acting credits across such films as Horse Girl, The Rental, Happiest Season, and Promising Young Woman, while also spending time behind the camera directing an episode of the Disney Plus docuseries Marvel 616 and producing and co-writing the script for Horse Girl. Since her dueling breakout performances in Mad Men and Community, we've always known that Alison Brie was someone who refused to be put into a box. And it's that exact drive that's made her such an excitingly unpredictable talent on screen and a force of versatility. However, simply being original and different really isn't enough for her at this point in her career. It's imperative that the projects she selects stand for something and help spark a conversation that reaches as many people while advocating for progress. Her latest film, Happiest Season, definitely falls into that category, being the first studio-backed holiday romantic comedy centered around a gay 
Couple. For those of you who aren't familiar with the film, it follows Harper, played by Mackenzie Davis, and Abby, played by Kristen Stewart, as they venture to Harper's family home for the holidays. Along with meeting her partner's parents for the first time, Abby is planning to propose. However, complications arise when Abby discovers Harper's not only kept their relationship a secret, but her sexuality as well. For me personally, it's a film that has a lot of the Christmas camp and charm that we love about films that come out during this time of year, but I have to say it was a rather earnest exploration of family, acceptance, and being true to who you are. And that's something that definitely wasn't lost on Brie when she decided to join the project. Well, Happiest Season makes for essential festive viewing this time of year, and truthfully, probably every holiday holiday season from now forth. I feel like this one's going to resonate a lot with people, but uh, Brie will close out 2020 with Emerald Fennel's bold and ferocious awards picture, Promising Young Woman. As Brie put it in our conversation, it's a Me Too revenge thriller, but it just has such a dark and fun sense of humor. Since its premiere at Sundance back in January, the film has been garnering a passionate response from audiences, and it's sure to lead the charge in having a larger conversation about the sexist culture that turns a blind eye to the mistreatment of women. It's a project that, as soon as I mentioned it, I, I could tell that she was visibly eager to discuss, and uh, I'm really glad because so was I. I had just watched it the night before. Uh, holy shit, such a good movie. I, I It just blew my mind, and it's going to be uh, a, a much-needed atomic bomb right now in that uh, particular area of the discourse. But during my conversation with Alison Brie, we not only discuss Happiest Season and Promising Young Woman, but what a family Christmas with her family is like, the future of Netflix's glow, and so much more. Oh my goodness, this one was an absolute blast. I could have talked to her for another 20 minutes. Uh, it, it, it was truly a privilege and an honor to chat with Allison Brie, who I, I don't think gets the credit that, that she deserves. She's one of the best working act- actresses in the business today, and uh, the kinds of projects she selects are are just, they're so good, and I love that she's purposefully selective about them, uh, always wanting to do stuff that that makes a statement and makes art that has meaning. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Alison Brie. I guess, uh, how are you doing uh, this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I'm I'm so excited to be promoting this movie because I really love it. <laughs> and yeah. the shooting experience couldn't have been better. And then the product couldn't be better. So it's like just the best of both worlds. Well, no, th- that's good. Well, and I'm sure because you've had like an, an incredible 2020 just in terms of like the projects you've had coming out. I'm sure you're sort of like a pro it's at this It's very moment. weird. Yes, I am. It's yeah. just been very weird to have like a career high year of movies coming out that I'm so incredibly (laughs) proud of during like a life and world and global like worst year. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. A little strange. No, for sure. I I, I can't even imagine what that would have been like, just like, cause I, you know, going into this year and it's like, you've got horse girl coming out, you got promising a woman. And then obviously this film, the rental, all this stuff, your husband's getting to direct his directorial debut. And then it's just like, well, we're in this shitty situation right now. <laughs> yeah, I get, you know, but the, I, I mean, the good thing is, poof, if there if there's a silver lining to this year, I think it's that it's put a lot of things in perspective for us. And, you know, 
I mean, I still, I, I'm so proud of these projects and I'm just as happy to talk about them over Zoom as I would be to be schlepping all around town to talk about them. It's sort of this like, I feel so grateful and so lucky to get to do the thing I love to do for a living, to be in a place where we can, you know, we can write and we can do stuff from home during this quarantine. My family mm -hmm. is healthy and safe. And so there's a lot to be grateful for. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, getting getting into uh, the the film specifically, I, I, something that I really loved about it, and, and I love the movie, by the way, I thought it was absolutely charming, really endearing. It had, you know, it was like, it's it's a great modern, uh, you know, holiday film. Uh, so I, I, I loved all that, all that. But uh, what I really liked about it was I just, I, I found it to be so true, this, this notion that, you know, some people have a tendency to revert to like past versions of themselves when they return to their hometown. Um, and I'm not sure if like you've, you've experienced this or if you've seen any, or you like, you know, people around you have sort of experienced this, but um, you know, in college or when I was still living with my parents, I would always come home for the holidays and it's, you know, you see all these people from high school and they're trying to rekindle friendships and relationships and they're almost afraid of showing uh, like how they've evolved as a person. And I'm curious, just like, you know, for sure. you, why, why do you think that is? Wow. I, it's gotta be just something about old habits die hard or a comfortability. I, I, there's something, I mean, on the one hand, I don't totally relate to it because right. I'm born and raised in LA. I went to college like half an hour away. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't go home for the holidays because my family's just here and I see them all the time. Um, but even in college, I, I, you know, though I was not far away for school, it felt like a totally different world. And so I can relate to coming home. And even now when I'm at my mother's, you know, new condo that I've never lived in, it's still just like you come in, you're like, I'm hungry. I need a snack. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the way we act yeah, around yeah, our yeah, parents yeah, yeah. is like, we, you know, sometimes we can sort of infantilize ourselves, I guess. And it is just a dynamic, you know, with so many families, there's just a dynamic that's built in throughout your whole life. There's older siblings and younger siblings and you have, a, there's a power dynamic there. And like, you know, uh, this movie is really sort of about reaching that breaking point, which I think we all kind of do. I'm a little sister. I have a big sister and it's just the two of us. And I feel like you know, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I started to be like, hey, hey, I, I have opinions too and you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> like, yeah, not that my sister, I mean, she so takes care of me, but she's definitely the boss. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, for Harper in this movie, Mackenzie Davis's character, there's so much more at stake and a lot more that's being hidden but we do see that everyone in this family really has their secrets and this movie is about that moment where it comes to a head for all of them and they kind of need to realize that they need to be honest with each other and, and as a family and be who they really are in their lives not who they are used to being when they're home with each other yeah well that, that's something that i think the film does really well is it's sort of it, it, it like deconstructs the like facade of Christmas, right? Like, you know, oftentimes in movies we see such like a, I guess a singular interpretation of this like picture, picture perfect family. Um, they abide by like traditional Christmas values or whatever. And it's, you know, those that don't align with that, that, that sort of flawless interpretation that end up sort of like disrupting things and whatnot. And, and this movie kind of like does the exact opposite. Um, it, it like flips it on its head uh, because we're like seeing things through 
um, you know, the outsider in in this case. And it says like, you know, for, for a holiday that's supposed to be about like happiness, inclusion, um, acceptance, you know, you don't, you don't really embrace any of those ideals. And so, um, while we love the escape, do you think that it's more important for like holiday movies in general to be more honest and realistic in, in their interpretation of this? I, I think, I mean, it's, it's always great when you can relate to the things that you're seeing on screen. And I think that movies, you know, it's their job to sort of do both, you know, on the one hand, it's, it's heightened, it's entertainment, you, it's a departure, you kind of, there's a fantasy element to it that's really great. But at the same time, I do think it's really important that films reflect the world we live in and the reality uh, that a lot of people face and things like that. I mean, this movie, just the fact that, that we have a gay couple at the center of the story, and that is something that obviously exists everywhere yeah, in the world, yeah. but is not often seen. This is the first studio-backed holiday rom-com that features a gay couple, which is um, just so belated. Uh, you know, you kind of just think like, I think that, uh, so in that aspect, yes, I think the representation is so important that it, it mirrors the real world. And I do think it's refreshing to watch a holiday movie where everybody is a little bit stressed out and they're not quite focusing on the right things because let's be real. That is what it feels like. I mean, I love my family so much and still, and they are relatively low key, especially compared to the family in this movie. Mm -hmm, And still mm -hmm. the holidays are super stressful and I think that can be a relief to audiences to kind of think oh good like yeah my family yeah. kind of does that too <laughs> yeah well it, it's one of those things it's just like it's it's a uh it's a season in a holiday that is sort of like it's become warped into this thing that it was never really like you know at its core it's never really intended to be you know it's yeah. all it's all commercialized and everything and and I feel like that's what that's what makes uh you, you know, Kristen Stewart's character is so relatable is because it's like she, I mean, she has her reasons for, for not, um, you know, necessarily vibing with the holiday because of a past personal trauma, but it is like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, you know, you can kind of get over the, I guess the phoniness of it, right? Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, this movie is about a family who cares so much about appearances. And in a lot of ways, it does feel like that's what Christmas has become in our country. Like, it's all going to look beautiful. And there's going to be huge Christmas trees and tons of presents. And you're like, but can't we just be together and be joyful and love each other and support each other? You know, does something carry the spirit and meaning of Christmas if it looks beautiful, but, but right, is like non-inclusive and stressed out and a little monstrous. Uh, You're really departing from what the holiday is meant to be about. And, and yeah, this movie is really about watching this family. I kind of realized that, I mean, through the strength of seeing a, a person within their family really come out and the, the courage that it takes to do that and be honest with her family. I think it ends up inspiring the whole family to be honest about who they are and get more in touch with each other. Yeah. Right. Well, especially with your character, because it's, you know, without giving anything away, she definitely has a secret, like everyone in the film, everyone sort of has their own sort of secret that they're hiding in order to keep up this image. And when we get to that moment where we learn a little bit more about your character, I'm just like, Oh, okay. Everything starts to make sense. Now her whole, you know, sort of cynical view on things is just because she's got a lot going on in her own personal life that she's afraid to sort of bring to the attention of people that she should be able to bring that to, you know? 
Totally. Uh, there's so much about this character that I could sympathize with and empathize with, though I consider myself quite different from her as a person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I can totally understand that she's a woman who is unhappy in her own marriage and she yes is also hiding stuff from her family and trying to put up this perfect facade and she also you know throughout a lot of the movie I think she's really getting her feelings hurt because my character and Mackenzie's Davis Mackenzie Davis's character um were so competitive with each other uh we're definitely competing for our parents affection and attention mm -hmm. and she's getting a lot more of it than my character is getting so you can just feel her uh you know feeling undervalued and not respected and that never feels good and i i do find often that when you come in contact with someone who's in a really bad mood or someone who seems kind of villainous a lot of the time you can trace it back to their own unhappiness, you know, misery loves yeah. company. I feel like this character is kind of that way. She's like, I'm not happy. I just want to make the cookies perfect. That's the one thing I can control. <laughs> and if everyone else has to be miserable, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, and, 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 and also when you add in that layer of sibling rivalry, it's obviously gotten to a point where it's like, unhealthy you know and well and i'm curious yeah. for you you know being a sibling yourself i'm i mean obviously I, i'm a i'm a brother myself so i understand that there is like a sibling sort of like you know you're always trying to outdo the other in some capacity but um what for you is is like the indication that maybe it's gone like a little too far <laughs> i i feel happy to report that I have a very low level of sibling rivalry with my sister, like maybe non-existent. And I'm sure it stems from the fact that our parents are not withholding. They're very forthcoming with their love and support. I feel like often we have to go the other way where our parents are too accommodating. You know, they'll be like, Allie, you were great in that movie. Um, and then if my sister's standing right there, they feel like they have to be like, oh, and, and you were great. <laughs> today making lunch this lunch is the best lunch and she's like guys you don't have it's okay like we can compliment Ali's movie without having to give me a compliment right this second like right <laughs> they're always like you have to be equal and we're like come on Sometimes yeah right. one of us can be better <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure for sure but only well, when that, it's me no I'm just kidding yeah, well, <laughs> well of course only when it's yeah <laughs> um that, that was like I was actually kind of curious about that uh because you know when you first started to break through as an actor and you were getting gigs on like Mad Men and, and Community when you would go home for the holidays and obviously everyone's like bombarding you with questions about that uh what sort of environment were you walking into um and then also not just in your direct family but like when you would come into people that maybe you knew from like school and stuff um sure i think gosh i'm trying to remember i mean again I, I i've been so lucky to be surrounded with like a lot of very sweet people and my family's so supportive and everybody's like uh, you know mostly just like whoa congratulations you did it especially because i was always acting and doing theater in high school. I mean, you know, I wasn't like a child actor, but I, but I was right. doing theater in high school. I feel like I made it very well known throughout elementary school, middle school, high school that I was like, I'm going to be an actor. Uh, so it's fun. You know, of course there's a, 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 a healthy amount of self validation, you know, that comes or, or not self validation, but validation that comes from other people being like, wow, you're on that show. But also mm -hmm. there's always like the odd, uh, opinion <laughs> of someone being like wow your character's a real bitch on that show <laughs> or something or like you know yeah. the funniest 
uh, thing is recently has been like, you know, my dad is very active um, in his church community and he, uh, and so he'll report back about something like glow where I've done, you know, nude scenes or things like that. And he'll be like, well, so-and-so from church really loves you on the show. She didn't really love the nudity or the <laughs> sex scenes, um, yeah. but she did think the show was funny. I'm like, you don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell me that part about the other thing. You could yeah, just... yeah. It's, it's always the backhanded compliments. You know, you're always yeah. just like, did you really have to include that? Was that, was that necessary? <laughs> they <laughs> like, loved the show, except how yeah. vulgar it was and you were. But other than that, they think you're great. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. For sure. Um, I, I do want to kind of get into uh, some of your other works here, uh, specifically Promising Young Woman, because I, yeah. I just I just watched that last night and <gasps> I have not been able to stop thinking about it. It just oh, awesome. Lord by it. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask like what sort of your initial reaction was just reading such just a, a bold and ferocious script like that. Oh, those are such great words to describe it. Absolutely. It's a page turner. I've never read yeah. anything like it. I, and, and then I met with Emerald Fennell, and, who directed, who wrote and directed it, and hearing her talk about it and also the aesthetic of the whole thing and how she wanted to offset it with like really feminine, bubblegummy, poppy music. Um, I just thought it was so innovative really yeah. of a way a, a, a way to make a film about a, a subject matter that's quite serious you know at its core the movie is a me too revenge thriller um but it, it just has such a dark but fun sense of humor I, I i find that it seems to be the type of thing that i'm drawn to a lot these days you know um I definitely feel like I want my work to be about something important. Um, but at the same time, you do, you want it to go down easy. I think that yeah. I have a better time processing uh, information often when it's, when it also is entertaining. It's, 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 it's the Mary Poppins uh, school of thought, right? With a spoonful of sugar, you know, makes the medicine go down. And I feel like mm -hmm. not that like learning about <laughs> <laughs> issues is medicine right but you know right. what I mean I just think it's a it's a very inventive way to deal with a dark subject matter in a way that like I think will help it to reach a, a, a larger audience and get a bigger conversation going well for sure that's that's the thing that I, I think that it's going to spark so many conversations you, you know afterwards especially with with the ending which is like you know without giving anything away it's just I mean, it like knocked me on my ass. I was like, oh my God, like this is, it, th there's something really like timeless about it. You know, it's like, yes, it is a product of like, um, you know, the Me Too era that's going on right now. But it, it like, these are issues that have obviously been around for like centuries, you know? So it's oh, like, yeah. um, and, and this really taps into like, you know, like those classic, uh, you know, crime revenge thrillers too. Like, uh, like Fargo, for instance, or something like that, where it's like undercut by the comedy, but it's like, you still get hit with that uh, that same feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so important, I think, to have this conversation about consent and what it means and what it means today and what it means to men and what it means to women and what it should mean uh, and things like that. But yes, it's then it's backed by this genre bending, right? Which is sort of fluctuating between dark comedy and thriller. And Carrie Mulligan is such 
an amazing actress and really grounds the whole movie in her portrayal of this main character who's so uh, sort of deliciously sinister yeah. uh, in, in her fight for, for justice. You know, it's, I feel like you can kind of get behind her, some of her questionable actions because her heart is in the right place, even though you're like, whoa, I don't know if I would do that myself, but maybe I should, you know? Right. Well, but this <laughs> but the I want to see is what's like, going to happen. <laughs> yeah, right. But it, in a weird sort of way, it's like, she is kind of getting results. So it's like, do it's like, do the ends justify the means, you know, yeah. when it all, it's all said and done. And I think it is just sort of one of those things where it's like the lengths and the, you know, the extreme measures that women have to go to just in order to, to, to be cease. heard. <laughs> yeah. Right. To be heard or see some semblance of justice. It's just like, it's frustrating. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> for sure. Even in the way I'm talking about it, I'm like, we have to make it entertaining or no one will listen to us. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but I do think it just, it's, it's, I think it's a real feat that she pulled off to make something so unique and compelling and funny and important is, uh, you know, a real gauntlet, I think. And she's done it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do got to start wrapping up here, but, uh, you know, like I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this, but like many others really disappointed to hear about the the cancellation of Glow, you know, without any sort of uh, resolution to that story. And, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it must have been like for you and the rest of the cast sort of, you know, taking that announcement. Um, but then I saw for, uh, you know, Mark Marin was advocating for like a film to sort of like conclude the story and whatnot. And, and I'm curious for you, do, you, do you think that that's something within the realm of possibility? And do you think that a movie could sort of tie everything up? I certainly think a movie could tie everything up. Our creators, Liz Flayhive and Carly Mensch are incredible writers and they're so devoted to these characters that that they created. Uh, I think a movie would be a great way to, to wrap it up. I, I'm a little pessimistic about it actually happening just in light of mm. everything that's gone on this year and how difficult it is to get anything back into production with COVID. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, also, I, I as part of the community cast who's been trying to get a movie going for six years. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Say, don't, don't hold your breath because <laughs> even <laughs> if it does happen, it might it might take a minute. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I, I'm just I, I was really sad to see you guys sort of like let go like that. It's just it's oh. the cruel nature of this business, especially with the show yeah. so beloved and really groundbreaking um, such as that, yeah. you know. Thank you, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I agree. I it's it definitely was a bummer. I'm gonna miss playing with those incredible women and Mark Marin and Chris mm -hmm. Lowell. And uh, but we, you know, we're so lucky. We're lucky that we got to make three like to me perfect seasons of a show. Sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> I love yeah. it so much, and it will live on you know on Netflix forever. So. Yeah. people can still check it out yeah well there you go well there's your there's your uh re there's a reason to go check out glow if you haven't done so already uh thank you so much i really really appreciate your time alice and yeah. i it's been a pleasure oh this was wonderful thank you griffin yeah, thanks <laughs> Well, there you have it, guys. That was my conversation with Allison Brie. Seriously, such a delight. She was 
the best, as uh, as is to be expected. And I, I can't wait to chat with her again sometime down the road. If, if 2021 is as big of a year for her as 2020 is, I, I'm sure that will happen. Happiest Season will be streaming on Hulu November 26th. And again, guys, it is one that you're definitely going to want to watch. It'll get you in that warm and cozy feeling that uh, truthfully is much needed in the world right now. And it'll, and it'll do a great job of getting you in the holiday spirit. So definitely don't miss it when it hits Hulu on November 26th. And the other one you don't want to miss is Promising Young Woman, which hits theaters on Christmas Day. So if it is playing in a theater near you and you feel comfortable going to the theaters, I can't recommend that film enough. It is bold. It's out there. It it just it tackles really heavy subject matter in a way that's accessible to the masses. I, I truly have never seen anything like it, and I, I can't wait for more people to see it so we can have more conversations about it. So yes, again, Promising Young Woman in theaters, December 25th, Christmas Day. Go see it. But the most important thing is I want to hear from you all and I want to know what your favorite Alison Brie performance is. Be sure to let me know down in the comment section of wherever you're listening to this episode. Be sure, as always, to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network so you don't miss another episode of The Fourth Wall and the amazing conversations that we have with industry creatives, along with the rest of our amazing film and television-centric shows here. We're talking about stuff like Be Real, The Playlist Podcast, Deep Focus, and so much more. Again, what Whatever your fix is, we definitely have you covered over there. My next interview will be with the creative brain trust behind Pixar's Soul, which is sure to be a a real Oscar contender this award season, and it was a real privilege chatting with those geniuses over there in uh, in Emeryville, California. So you're definitely going to want to keep an eye out for that. That should be coming towards the beginning of December. But until then, guys, you can always give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, and I will catch you next time. Take care.